Chapter Seven of New Adventures of Alice by John Ray. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Seven: The Somersault Sally. Why? It doesn't smoke at all any more! Exclaimed Alice. It's more like clouds, and we're flying again. And sure enough, she and the poet were flying through a sky full of billowy white clouds, as soft as inviting as feather beds. The kitten had disappeared. Couldn't we stop and rest for a while on one of those comfortable-looking clouds? suggested Alice. Perhaps the kitten is coming along behind us and would catch up. The poet replied very earnestly. My child, if I may be allowed, please never rest upon a cloud, whatever else you do you might while lying there fall fast asleep you see and as time passed your couch might break in two or as your cloud went sailing by some mountain-top or spire high might bump you black and blue or say you slumbered softly there rocked by the west wind i declare a weather-vane look do the poet pointed excitedly ahead to where a picturesque ship weather-vane had just appeared above the slowly settling clouds it's exactly like the one on the big old house at the turn of the river below Godstow exclaimed alice the clouds which during the last few minutes had been flattening out and settling had changed by now to a rather milky-looking sea through which the weather-vane ship now seemed to be sailing alice as they neared the vessel was surprised at her size and completeness why i do believe it's a real ship she cried and what's the name on the stern well chuckled the poet may i be pursued by the pump in the alley if that's not the crazy old somersault sally when they arrived on the sloping deck of the antiquated somersault sally the first thing alice noticed was a number of enormous white rats in sailor suits busily engaged in coiling up cordage perhaps she said to herself those ropes are the rat lines but why she asked the poet should any one want rats for sailors the poet considered a moment and then said rats always leave a sinking ship you see so i suppose the captain takes them every trip for while they're round he knows here a rumbling voice from the forward part of the ship reached their ears and the poet cut short his explanation of the rat sailors to say ah there's good captain tiwi now just hear him singing in the bow looking in the direction whence the sound came alice saw a tiny man hardly more than two feet high dressed in a very exaggerated nautical costume he was doing a curious sort of revolving sailor dance and singing in a voice that might have belonged to a giant the following song oh never never leave my lads your happy happy home your parents hearts twill grieve my lads if off to see you roam then listen to polite my lads this ballad hark you well for sure as black as white my lads it is the truth i tell young percy fellow pink my lads he ran away to sea although you'd never think my lads a thing like that could be for percy's home you know my lads was fine as one could wish so why then should he go my lads to face the flying fish pink's parrots sang they say my lads the battle of the ford five hundred times a day my lads and percy he was bored his mother most went mad my lads when purse could not be found she says as she is went to sea and surely will be drowned his father peter pink my lads says dry your eyes my dear for lucky peg is wooden leg will float and never fear she sopped afresh and said my lads went off to see chase the wooden limp always him he left it in his ace says peter tis you waste my love as haste with them must be so if it's in his haste my love he's got it don't you see then do the captain's jig my lads and keel and double haul and lower away the gig my lads and catch me if i fall 
Oh! The diminutive captain's whirling, bounding dance had been growing more and more energetic as the song proceeded, and with the last words, which were panted rather than sung, he bounced right into Alice, who, to keep him from falling, caught him in her arms, where for a while he lay gasping like a fish out of water. When Captain Tiwi had recovered his breath, Alice placed him carefully on the deck, thinking as she did so, "'It looks just like a live sailor doll.' The tiny fellow still seemed a trifle dizzy and uncertain, but after a moment he remarked casually, "'Last time it was the snipe caught me.' "'Oh, is the snipe on board?' cried Alice. "'I was afraid he might have caught and been put in a—er—that is—' here she broke off for it occurred to her that it might just be just as well to say nothing about the pipe and the setting afire of the king's haystack oh yes he was caught thundered the captain who had now entirely recovered his voice he was caught all right enough missy but they lets him out on bail though i'd about as leave go to the dungeons as have to ride around on that there lovely beast they're looking for his accomplice now he went on very seriously but with a mischievous wink at the poet some say as how he was seen at the time the haystack caught fire with a little girl with lightish hair about your age she was missy i should judge here the captain looked hard at alice then raised his eyebrows and slowly winked at the poet they ought to be back soon he said reflectively after a moment alice who was beginning to feel a little anxious was about to ask whom he meant by they when the ship which had been rolling and pitching only moderately gave a more decided lurch than usual and the poor captain tumbled over flat on his back alice and the poet had barely picked him up and set him on his feet when again he tumbled now falling forward on his nose as they helped him to rise he muttered peevishly if i only hadn't lost that key i'd not be falling about so then after a vain search through all his pockets he continued that confounded snipes probably carried it off for a joke souse him in bilgewater like as not he's a-using it of now for a sinker please what key are you talking about and what can it possibly have to do with your falling down so much asked alice with some impatience why the key to my sea-chest of course child roared the captain that's where i keep my sea-legs he added in a quieter explanation the feet on them you know are very much larger than land feet and the knees have springs in em that pulls you up straight whenever you starts to fall as if to illustrate the point captain tiwi bent his knees and began to sway back and forth and the somersault sally itching just then unexpectedly down he went once more this time rolling over and over along the deck towards an open hatchway just as he reached it a man evidently a cook appeared coming up through an opening carrying a very large full soup tureen and into this with a great splash fell the poor little captain evidently the soup was not very hot for the cook unconcernedly fished the sputtering captain out and set him dripping on his feet merely saying respectfully as he peered anxiously into the tureen i'm very much afraid as our most of it spilled sir here the cook glanced meaningly at alice and the poet and shook his head in a discouraged sort of way as if to say this sort of thing happens almost every day you know and it's probably ruined my watch choked the captain mournfully pulling from his pocket in his blouse a short length of fish line and a very curious object which looked more like a large brass peg-top than a watch, though Alice saw that there was a row of numerals painted around it up near the peg. "'You may look at it if you like, Missy,' the captain added, handing the strange watch and the fishing-line to Alice. She had started to mop him off with her small handkerchief, and was having a very discouraging time of it. "'It is my self-winding part-watch. You see, I wind it myself.' "'I suppose you have to spin it with the fish-line, like a boy's top?' 
said Alice, smiling at the captain's last remark. That's the beauty of it, Missy. That's the beauty of it, cried the captain enthusiastically. You see, this here watch only goes while you're a-spinning of it, and while it's a-spinning, you naturally can't tell time by it, Missy. Cause why? Cause you can't see the numbers on it then. No how. Well, said Alice doubtfully, I shouldn't call that a very satisfactory kind of timepiece. A very good one, I should say, to lose a train by anyway. Put in the poet with a grin. Best kind I calls it, said the captain very positively. Never a prodden of you by reminding you it's getting late for something or other. Leaves all that to your own good judgment like. He had been clumsily winding the fishing line about the watch as he spoke, and now drew back his arm to spin it. In doing so, he jostled the cook, who during the whole conversation had been standing behind him thoughtfully drinking up what was left of the soup. The tureen dropped from the cook's hands, but instead of breaking into a thousand pieces on the deck, as might have been expected, it bounced like a large rubber ball. Alice, who had been sitting on the ship's low rail, reached out wildly in an attempt to catch the tureen as it bounced over the side. End of chapter 7